Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the book episode, uh, Our Return. Yes, we are finally back from our hiatus, our break. Yeah, originally we had all sorts of bookstores planned for our trip in Austin, but then we realized that our scheduling for them was awful and we only got to go to really one bookstore really. Yes. It was still a good one. Yeah, it was definitely a good bookstore. And it came right after feeding Capybara, so it was a good day. No, it was a great day, shy of the 5 a.m. wake up. Yeah, that was bad. Otherwise, we were doing great. But in the meantime, things have been happening in the world of books while we've been gone. And actually, some things that I'm actually really excited about. Okay. So, Ivana Lynch, who is known for her role as Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter series, has released the cover of her upcoming memoir, The Opposite of Butterfly Hunting, The Tragedy and the Glory of Growing Up, which is very Luna-esque in my opinion. Definitely. The memoir is going to cover her life before and after her role in the movies alongside the truth behind her childhood eating disorder and perfectionism. Since wrapping the films, the Irish actress has participated in numerous TV shows and films, as well as performed in plays in various theaters throughout England. Her memoir is available for pre-order now and is set to release on October 14th in the UK and October 19th in the US. Nice. Is that something that you're going to be interested in purchasing? I don't know, because I like Ivana Lynch for the most part, but she is very vegan, animal rights, that sort of thing. But she's Irish. But also she's Irish, like me. But also she's a little bit silly, like me. So we'll see. And then Christina Lauren, the author duo that I started getting into last year, who writes a bunch of rom-com adult romances. Their book, The Honeymooners, is heading to the big screen. BCDF Pictures has secured the rights to the novel and will adapt it into a film. Claude Dal Farah and Brian Keaty from the BCDF Pictures will produce alongside Kelsey Law. And Joseph Mozinski will be the one adapting the book. In The Unhoneymooners, Olive Torres and her nemesis, Ethan Thomas, are the only ones who don't get food poisoning out of Olive's sister's entire wedding party. Since the newlyweds are unable to attend the honeymoon, Olive joins Ethan on the trip instead. The two set a temporary truce and fly off to Maui to fill in as the newlywed couple. So it's like fake married and they don't like each other. Got it. That sounds good. Yeah. I think this could be a really cute movie. I think this is the first book of theirs that's getting turned into a movie. So I approve of it because hopefully it will lead to my favorites of theirs getting turned into movies. I would especially like if In a Holidays got turned into a Christmas movie. That would be everything I need. It truly would. Christmas, check. Rom-com, check. Christina Lauren, check. Check, 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 check. And Hulu has just released the teaser trailer for the TV series adaptation of Why the Last Man, which is set to premiere on September 13th. This is the story about Yorick Brown, who is the only human survivor of a planet-wide plague that instantly kills every mammal possessing a Y chromosome. He travels the world in search of his lost love and the answer to why he's the last man on Earth. Could be interesting. Yeah. That seems like more your thing than my thing, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it depends on if it's going to get any 
action-y moments. It did I... come from a comic, so I'm assuming so. Yeah, that's interesting. It's weird. Brom Entertainment has acquired TV adaptation rights to Godhood Comics' new series, The Antagonist. Recently created by Tyler F. Martin, the comics follow married supervillains Destructus and Ultima as they settle into retirement after successfully taking over the world. I feel like that would be up my alley. Supervillains? Named Ultima? Like the car? U-L-T-I-M-A. Oh, Ultimate. Like Ultima. Got it. I thought you said Ultima like a car. I'm like, That's, that doesn't sound like a very scary villain at all. U-L-T-I-M-A. Gosh. That makes more sense. I feel like Destructus is pretty... Oh, yeah, absolutely. That one's straightforward, but the Ultima one threw me for a spin. Yeah. And Colin Kaepernick is releasing a children's book focused on celebrating their differences. The activist and former NFL player is releasing a children's book focused on his upbringing as a black child in a white family. I Color Myself Different is centered around a childhood memory of Kaepernick's that, from what I read in the article, was about when he was at school coloring a picture of his family, and he had to pick out a different crayon for coloring in himself versus his family. He called the book Deeply Personal, and it isn't releasing until April, so it's still a while out. But according to the article, it is available for pre-order now if you wanted to do that. But I tried to keep it short and snappy with the news and only picking out things that are actually newsworthy, in my opinion, because a lot needs to get discussed in the rest of the podcast. So I wanted to keep it short and sweet. Also, instead of doing a tag this week, we're going to do a game because I thought that would be interesting for you to play. I'm sure hoping that you didn't write down, like, ones for me to know because, boy, we're screwed. That's going to be fun. So, basically, it's the first sentence challenge. What's going to happen is, or what has already happened is, you've picked out five books and written down, hopefully, the title and the first three sentences from each book in your notes so that I can't see them. And you're going to read the first sentence to me, and I have to try to figure out which book it comes from. So when I was practicing this in my head, I almost said the book name about like three or four times. So don't do that. Just do the first sentence. Well, I solved that problem by putting the book titles after the three sentences on my notes. So Good idea. We should be good. I will say I've come into my library since you sequestered yourself to write all of that, and I don't know that I see any books out of place, but I think I might spot a knickknack that didn't get put back where it goes. So maybe I know a shelf, but we'll see. In fairness, I did pull about five books that I was like, no, never mind. So it could very well be a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go based off of that. Not on purpose, because I'm like, I I definitely pulled some from every shelf, except for the ones that were like, you're not read books. So Yeah. And when you came out from doing your, uh, I don't know, trickery, you did specify that you tried to avoid ones with names in the first sentence. So that does make sense. But the second and third sentences sometimes have them, so, like... Hopefully I don't need those. It's hard in a book to, like, avoid, I feel like, something that dead gives it away right off the bat. If you, like... Especially if it's a book that you've read more than once, I feel like, so... Which you do often, because you... I like to reread our new Well, the second book comes out, and then you're like, oh, i got to read the first book again. So, the first one. So, it was a dark, blustery afternoon in spring, and the city of London was chasing a small mining town across the dried-out bed of the old North Sea. 
mortal engines. It's, it's kind of gave dead giveaway. I, well, a city was chasing something. Like, I've only ever seen the movie. I've never read the book, and even I was like, wow, that should give it away yeah, immediately. Yeah. Well, you said it was a blustery day, and I was like, oh, this is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and then you continue. <laughs> a blustery afternoon. So, um, yeah. The second one, so you got the max points on that one. Congratulations. Yes. This one, I, I need feel to like, write down how many points I'm getting. Yes. This one very well might be because, like, I know that, I don't know that you read it recently, but I know that you've read it more than once. So, like, my brain is just going to be like, blah, blah. Um, oh, dear. So, this one was a shorter one. He was an easy mark. And the only reason I picked this one is because I know you. I, I know you've read the book multiple times, and it was like the shortest sentence I could find in any of the books I grabbed. I know it's not Six of Crows, but there's a part of me that wants to say Six of Crows, because, you know, they're very heisty. Did you want the second sentence? Just to add clarification, she's scanning the bookcases right now, <laughs> back and forth, trying it's, to figure out what it is. It's not Crooked Kingdom, is it? No, it's not. Okay, second sentence, I guess. Okay. Nari smiled behind her veil, watching the two men bicker as they approached her stall. The City of Brass. Yes, there you go. I, for some reason, could not get over Six of Crows, and, (laughs) like, there was a part of me that's like, no, you read a lot of books with con people in them. Come on. Yeah. This one, I feel like you're going to guess right away, only because it's... uh, I'm not going to give you the clue, because otherwise it'll be even easier than it already is. Call me Harlot. What? That's literally the first sentence, and they get better as they go along. Let me know when you want the second sentence. The F. Um, I want to say it's going to be um, that Jay Kristoff book, and that's not it. Nope. Okay, so go on. Call me impulsive. <laughs> this is my favorite one because it should be so obvious to you, but at the same time, it's so hard because there's, there's three stupid short sentences. I have another one right behind this. Who's a harlot? And impulsive. Who's an impulsive harlot? I don't know. You do know. I do. Yes, you're right. You don't. Dang it. Okay, third. Call me hungover. Okay, you hungover harlot. Yes, I win one. Hold on. on. (laughs) I have a feeling it's not on any of the shelves I'm facing. I have a feeling it's going to be back here somewhere. I will give you the hint that it is on the shelves you're facing. If. I only know because I pulled it like twice when I was thinking about it. I'm like, should I be this rude? And I was like, yes, we have to have one hard one. Which I thought was going to be an easy one, to be completely honest, because it's such a weird introduction that it would just stand out in your head. All the books I'm looking at, I'm like, no. Okay. I guess I get no points for this one. I have no idea. You're going to hate yourself. I know. I already do. Uh, It was written by Christina Lauren. (sighs) In a Holidays. That's how that book starts. I know. Oh, now I know why. Because (laughs) she has a crush on one of the family friend's kids, and like... She wants to be making out with him, but instead she makes out with his brother. And that happens, like, the night before the introduction to the book. Dang. I was already talking good things about in a I know. That's why I was like, how is this not a dead giveaway? And my hint was about to be, well, you already talked about it on the podcast. But then I was like, that would have have nailed it. it Yeah. Yeah. Is this number four? This is number four. Okay. So, so far, all three points on the first one, two points on the second one, zero points on the third one. So. I have no hope. This one is an interesting one. Um, I didn't know that you owned this book, so like I, it could go either way, okay. I guess. The steam rising off the backs of the cantering horses faded into the morning fog. I actually really liked the first sentence, and that's the reason I chose this book, because I was like, wow, it's really descriptive. 
I'm wondering what book you know about that you would be like, oh, I can't believe she owns this. Well, it's not that. I didn't know the book, but honestly, it's one that I will probably read just because of the way the first three sentences were written, which is kind of a crappy way to base off of a book. I'm wondering if you went to the shelf that's to my left and picked one from it, because it almost sounds like it comes from Game of Thrones, which I feel like would surprise you that I own. I can tell you with certainty it None of the books came off that shelf. Oh, well, now I really don't know. Okay, second sentence. Our chariot raced toward the far end of the Forgotten Vale, and Malguin Ironhand, my charioter, constant companion and frequent adversary, pulled back on the reins. This third sentence is kind of, well, crappy. I'll, I'll just get ahead of it. Is it the Valiant? Yes, That was good. Good. I thought I was not going to get that. I was going to be very sad. The third sentence is my favorite. No, I shouted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sad we didn't get to that one because that would have just literally just put you in a stumped phase, I'm sure. The only thing I could think of when you said Chariot was the Valiant series. So, yeah. All right. Here's the last one, the fifth one. So, 3202. So, you're doing okay so far. I don't like the zero in there, especially given what book it was. Yeah. All right. Yep. Candlelight reflected off the silver anchor etched onto my sister's necklace. Are we sure I've read this? Yep. Who has a sister? Who wears... Honestly, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who wears an anchor necklace? I don't know. Most main characters don't have a sister, I feel like. You want the second sentence? (sighs) Yeah. It was an ugly piece of jewelry and something... Yulaly would never have picked out for herself. I probably butchered that name, but... Spell it. E-U-L-A-L-I-E. Maybe I got it right? I don't know. I'm sure I'm... there's some book nerd out there who's like, you said it all wrong. I have a feeling there was a DNF book. Maybe, maybe? I don't know. Did it come from this shelf? No. Let me know when you want the third sentence. The noises you're making are like gears turning in your head. Yeah. <laughs> Is it these broken stars? No. Okay, third sentence. She loved simple strands of gold, extravagant collars of diamonds. This was one of my favorite ones, just because I knew... It would piss me off. It could be complicated, at least a little bit. Okay, let me think. Is it House of Dragons? No. Okay, so go ahead, tell me what it is. It's the House of Salt and Sorrows. F me, that's a bunch of sisters. I should have known that. By Aaron A. Craig? Yes. Is that right? I, I didn't know if I accidentally put an A in there or not because I didn't capitalize it like every, every other noun. Yeah, no, it's Aaron A. Craig. Okay. So uh, I got Seven two. points. I got two wins to the to the hosts, so I'm actually a little impressed. I'm a little pissed off, but <laughs> there we are. I'm sorry that I didn't pick, like, six of crows. I was like, I'm not going to pick up the easiest ones because I know you no, know that no. off the top of my head. Like, it's the same reason I didn't pick any of the Harry Potter books because I know you know the first sentence to every single one of them. So, oh, those were some good picks. I just am mad at myself because my brain is like, I've never read anything with sisters in it, and I loved House of Salt and Sorrow. So, I'm like, that's what I thought, and I remember you talking about it when you read it. So, I was like, I know this is a book she liked. So, when you're like, oh, it's probably when I DNF'd, I'm like, sure, yeah, you DNF'd it. No, you read it, all of it. (laughs) No, that's on me. The holidays one, I'm truly shocked, because that was such a... The two I completely missed, I'm mad at myself about, but the rest were okay. Yeah, I, I think you nailed some of the other hard ones, to be completely honest, so... The names, again, sometimes can give it away, so... Yeah. The 
Malwin and the Chariot gave away that one, but... I kind of figured that was what was going to give it away, to be completely honest. I didn't think the Chariot would give it away, but definitely the name, just because it's a very particular name. Well, Chariots play a major role in the series, because they're gladiators. Got it. But that was our game this week. I, except for being mad at myself, enjoyed it. It's good. And now we'll get into the 15 books I read in our break. I'm going to try to go through them quickly because it's a lot. Let's say, let's not go in depth on summaries today just for our sanity's sake. Right. Well, and a lot of them I've already discussed a general summary before because I talked about reading them before I actually read them. So, correct. The first thing I read was The Young World by Chris Wheats, which I ended up rating two stars. So, I won't be continuing on. This is book number one in the Young World series. Basically, a mysterious disease wipes out the adults and tribes of children form and try to survive. And then I started my 40 Books Before 40 project. These are basically 40 books on a TBR that I want to complete before I turn 40. These are all related to me, have nothing to do with like, oh, these are 40 books everyone should read before they die. No, just me. So I have that specific TBR up on my blog, and there will be a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. But the first one I read for that was Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Milne. I have been the person who owns like a million Winnie the Pooh things and have never actually read it until now. That's crazy for me to believe, but like at the same time, I kind of get it. Like, because you watched the Disney movie originally, that's what got you hooked. When I was a kid, I would watch it every night before I went to sleep. And now if I have insomnia, I can turn it on and it'll put me to sleep. So I like that I have that trick. Yeah. But now that I finally read it, I rated it five stars. I don't know that I could have read Winnie the Pooh and not rated it five stars just because of how attached I am. Yeah. But, you know, it's the children's classic about Christopher Robin and all of his stuffed animals. Right. And then I read The Princess Saves Herself in This One by Amanda Lovelace and rated it five stars. It's a poetry collection that has a like running theme throughout about princesses and dragons and that sort of thing. It was really good and I enjoyed it. Then I read Witch Shadow by Susan Dennard and rated that four stars. It's book number four in the Witchlands series. This book focuses on Isolt and she is on the run in Kartra and tries to keep herself and another person safe. I can't really give a better definition for what this book is or a synopsis because it is so far into the series, but it's basically a country on the brink of war and Isolt on the run. Exciting. And then I started Christmas in July. Uh-oh, here we go. It wasn't that great for you, if I remember. For a lot of these books, I rated them around three or less than three stars. That's sad for your Christmas in July. They were just bad picks, I guess. Yeah. So the first one was Holiday Ever After by Jill Shalvis. This was a three-story collection bound together. I read it through NetGalley, I think, and rated an average of 2.83 stars for the collection. The one story was about a girl trying to make it home for Christmas during a blizzard. Another story is about a joint bachelor slash bachelorette party that gets snowed in at an inn. And the last story was not that really Christmas-centric because it was set on a boat in the Caribbean during Christmas. And that was like what these two families did every Christmas and drama. Then I read A Winter's Dream by Sophie Clare. This one I rated three stars. It's 
about a woman who challenges herself to say yes to anything that comes to her or comes her way during the month of December. Her name is Liberty. I don't like that we share a name because I don't like this character. But, you know, it was middle of the road. Like, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. Got it. And then I read Snowed In at Snowflake B&B, which was even worse, by <laughs> Kelly Hales. I rated this 2.25 stars. Basically, there's a new owner at a B&B, and the resident chef just butts heads with him while he flounders in the position, doesn't know what he's doing. And it's another snowed in story. And at that point, it felt like a lot of people getting snowed in because that was like the third thing I read with that in it. Seems to be a common winter theme for stories like that. But then my Christmas stories started getting better. I read A Sugar Creek Christmas by Jenny B. Jones and rated it 3.5 stars. Mostly because the grandma was, like, the star of this show. Like, the grandma used to work for the CIA, and now she's got, like, security patrols with all the other grandmas in the neighborhood. And, like, she's got guns and special, like, booby traps in her house to keep bad people away. And I'm like, you know, this romance isn't that great, but I live for this grandma. I remember you telling me about this one. And you're just, you couldn't not laugh while you're trying to explain some of the things that were going on. And I'm like, she was hilarious. Yeah. I wish that there were more grandmas like this. Yeah. But this one is about Emma, who is fired from her job and goes back home to Sugar Creek to be with her family during Christmas. Things only really get intense when she's forced to work with the man who broke her heart years ago. So it's a second chance romance. And then the book that was the highlight of Christmas in July was Faking Under the Mistletoe by Ashley Shepard. I rated this 4.25 stars. I mean, just for a contemporary, that's good. So it's a cute romance story about a girl who loves Christmas trying to ungrinchify a guy during Christmas. And that includes fake dating, faking under the mistletoe. Kind of makes sense. And then I read something to break up all the Christmas in July because that was five Christmas books in a row and six days of finishing a book every single day. So I needed something else. That was going to take more than a day. Well, no, because this took like an hour. Never mind then. I read The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesee. I rated it four stars. It's a self-care book with cute drawings in it. It's good for your mental health. And like I said, I just needed a break from everything I was reading. And I didn't love the art style in this because it was pretty messy. But I think that was supposed to be the point. Like you're not supposed to be perfect. So these drawings aren't going to be perfect and so on. But it was cute. I could see myself pulling it out if I'm having a bad mental health day, just to try to read short little things that would make me feel better without feeling patronizing. And then I picked up the last Christmas in July book. It was a NetGalley read called A Magical New York Christmas by Anita Hughes. I rated it 3.75 stars. and So it was magical a little bit. It was all right. Yeah. There were a couple problems. It publishes on September 28th. A journalist is hired to help an art dealer named Grayson write his memoir. During the week they work together, she is staying in a room at the Plaza Hotel, which is a big deal for her because it's where one of her favorite children's books was set. And while there, she meets Ian, who she believes to be part of the British royal family. She's wrong. He works for the British royal family. He's not a part of it, but cute rom-com ensues. 
Then I picked up what might have been my favorite read of the whole time I was gone. We were gone. And it was The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch. This one I rated five stars. This one's about orphan Locke Lamora, who is raised under the tutelage of a master con artist. And as he grows older, he runs his own cons. That would be a good book, I feel like. It's like a bunch of like mini little heists are happening. And I enjoy Locke and his little gang. But also this book breaks your heart a couple times. And so like you have to go into it knowing that like your emotions are going to be played with. Got it. After that, I read High School is Hell by Jordi Belair. And I rated it 2.5 stars. This is a Buffyverse comic set in present day. So it's about Buffy as if it were happening now with the tech and everything else that has changed since the 90s. Right. And I really didn't enjoy this very much based on art style, but also all the different liberties they took with the plot because they took plot lines from season seven and season one and season three and put them all in the first comic. And I'm like, we don't meet them for a long time. What are they doing here? They haven't gotten together. What is happening? So they didn't follow canon. Yeah, and, like, there were some things I didn't mind that they changed. Like, they gave Joyce a boyfriend. Buffy's mom got a boyfriend, and, like, he was fine. It was not a problem. But, like, other major things from canon were just, like, disregarded. Or just completely out of place. Yeah, so I will not be continuing on with that one. They have 12 issues, or not 12, 20 issues. And then I read The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, maybe. A French man wrote a book that got translated to English. I don't know if you caught that. I did. I ended up rating it three stars. It's a children's classic. And for me, a lot of this was just really open-ended and open to interpretation. And, like, basically a pilot gets downed in the desert and he is there with a very small child who comes out of nowhere who they share stories back and forth while he's fixing his plane. And at the end of the story, supposedly the kid goes back to the planet he came from, but the open-endedness, the interpretation is that the kid died. Cool. But the way that I interpret the story as a whole is that a pilot gets down in the desert and hallucinates for days on end while he is hungry and thirsty. But apparently that is not a common interpretation of the book. So who knows? Who can really say? And then the last book I read was Renegades by Marissa Meyer. My original rating for this one was also five stars. It's a new take on the superhero genre. Nova's family is murdered when she's a child and she blames the renegades for not saving them. So as a teenager, she has decided on revenge. And that's all I'm saying. I was giving you a look like, wow, you really sound like you're going to go into this one and I'm still reading it. So let's not do that. And then you're like, oh, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm like, thank goodness. Yes. Because we are reading it for the podcast. I finished it. You read a third of it. And we'll discuss it in a little bit. Yes. But as for what I plan on reading next, I plan on reading Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nouvelle. It is book number one in the Themis Files. It is an adult sci-fi novel published in 2016. A girl named Rose falls into a hole and discovers a giant metal hand. Later on, she grows up to become a physicist in order to discover the secret of the metal hand. Is it going to be an instrument of lasting peace or a weapon of mass destruction? So. Should be good. Yeah. So far, I've read a little bit of it. It feels a little bit like Hank Green's An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. 
yeah. because it's like alien tech come to Earth and stuff. I was going to see, I could kind of see that connection with that possibly. And then I'm going to read the newest release from Victoria Aviard, which is Realm Breaker. It's book number one in that new series. It's a fantasy novel that came out in May. A girl named Corrine discovers that she is the last of an ancient lineage and the last hope to save the world from destruction. To accomplish this, she bands together with a squire forced to choose between home and honor, an immortal avenging a broken promise, an assassin exiled and bloodthirsty, an ancient sorceress whose riddles hide an eerie foresight, a forger with a secret past, and a bounty hunter with a score to settle. Sounds like it'd be good as well. It sounds like a ragtag team, and I'm excited for that. You're also doing the Raven comic as well, right? I'm going to see if I can squeeze that in with all my reading. It depends on how quickly I get through the Sleeping Giants book. Gotcha. Whether I'll have time. Because the Victoria Aviard book is a chunky boy. It's dense. It could be a weapon. (laughs) Not of mass destruction, but a weapon. That's good to clarify, and even if it was a weapon of mass destruction, we we don't have oil, leave us alone. I mean, it could be worse, we could have a different president, and you make that joke. It's true. Probably have people in here knocking on our door within 30 seconds of us recording it. Our NSA agent would be like, what? What's happening? So, you got through the first third of the Renegades book by Marissa Meyer. Yes. What do you think so far? I, I like it, honestly. I, I think the characters are great. I think seeing a situation where the character is, life is pretty much in shambles and she's trying to come back from that to, you know, get revenge. I think it's great. Everyone loves a good revenge story. Yeah. I think it is slow to, well, like the first chapter is kind of like the more of like a prequel type chapter where it kind of catches you up to speed with what the world looks like. Just more world building than anything. Yeah. And then out of the gate, you get more world building. And I'm like, um, all right, well, this is important, I'm sure. So I'm just going to keep reading it. And like, it was hard for me to read because when I read, I usually read at night or very early in the morning when I'm either just waking up, so I'm a little sleepy or I've been working all day and I'm a little sleepy. So it was hard for me at first, but once things started moving along, it was fine. Yeah. So in this world, basically, prodigies start being born, and these are people with some sort of ability or power. Right. And Some of them really great and others not so much. Yes. In the world at that time, they are getting killed or persecuted in some way because of their powers. So Ace Anarchy rises up. He is one who has telekinesis. And he is working to make it so that prodigies don't have to hide anymore. In doing so, there is a rise up in prodigies doing crimes, doing bad things. And it's a natural result of no longer having to hide themselves. Right. From that, there is an age of anarchy that lasts 20 years where there isn't really a police force. There's no really government in place. The different gangs kind of run their own sections of the city and in turn, not chaos in every single section based on my understanding of it, but like... Some parts are definitely worse worse than than others. others. And you have trouble getting medicine and food and basic necessities. Right. Which, let's not talk about how we can relate to that after the past year and a half. Right before the beginning of the book, there are some prodigies who are coming out against these gangs and trying to be more along the lines of a hero than a gang or a villain. Right. 
The renegades. They're not quite renegades at that point, but they eventually do become the renegades, which is, like, the good guy. When we first open on and meet our main character, Nova, she is a six-year-old girl living with her mom and dad and her new baby sister, and she has the ability of putting people to sleep with a touch. And so she uses that to help her parents deal with a colicky baby or sick baby. Yeah. When she herself wakes up in the middle of the night, it's to someone breaking into her home, killing her parents, her little sister, and she hides in the closet. She ends up putting the bad guy to sleep, and that's when her uncle comes in, takes her, and hides her away with him and his own gang, because her uncle is Ace Anarchy. Right. A couple months later, the villains end up getting overtaken by the good guys, now the renegades, and they lose in the Battle of Gatlin. And so Nova and the rest of the anarchists, which is the gang that her uncle ran, have to go into hiding. So all this time, she is getting more and more upset about her uncle's loss and losing her uncle to the renegades. Right. And so she's come up with a plan to kill Captain Chromium, who is like the leader of the Renegades. He has impenetrable skin, so she comes up with the idea of shooting him with a poison dart in his eye to Which kill would him. still allow the blood to take in whatever the poison is, but not have Chromium underneath it, so... Yeah. Her plan ends up getting thwarted in two different ways. First, there are the Renegades themselves get in her way. And she was on the wrong roof. Well, she ends up going on the wrong roof and then goes to the cracked one, and that's when the renegades come out, and they have this battle on the rooftop. But also, Winston Pratt, who is the puppeteer, ends up popping up and doing his own sort of chaos during the parade. And she realizes the only way to get out of this situation is to take the balloon with Winston Pratt and get to safety. Right. But, you know, the renegades aren't going to let them get away. And they attack the balloon so that she ends up having to dump some weight. And she decides instead of dumping her bag of weapons and stuff, she's going to dump the other anarchist on the balloon. Yeah. So he ends up getting caught by the renegades. And she makes it to freedom. After running two miles. Yes. Yes. And when she makes it down to the subway, which is where they've been hiding out, everyone realizes that the renegades are going to come and they're going to have a little inspection or whatever you want to call it. Right. And that's when Janessa Clark and her little crew show up. And and whatnot. And they basically just destroy their food and their home and are threatening to force them into a false confession and all this other crap. Saying that, you know, if they attack her, then it's unprovoked. And they're like, look at everything you did. It wouldn't be unprovoked. And she's like, I'll say it was. Who are they going to believe? And I think that's the moment when you really realize that maybe the good guys aren't really the good guys. Or at least some of them aren't good guys. Well, they're power hungry. And and that's really the difference there. You have the character Sentinel, who is one of the people that was fighting Nova Nova originally. Uh, on the rooftops, show up and basically claim that he was sent by the council, which are the people that are at the head of the renegades. Yeah, and that's a lie. Yeah, and it's complete nonsense. Uh, However, they fall for their bluff, Frostbite and her crew, and they leave. Yeah. And that's that's an interesting scene in itself, because they're like, do we trust him? Like, everybody's ready to attack him, because he's by himself now, and he's like sitting there picking the things back up that 
got destroyed, removed, and thawing out Ingrid so that she's not frozen anymore. Mm-hmm. So just like he's the good of the good guys, you know, or at least trying to be the bad side of the good guys, right? Yeah, that's when Nova really gets into this plan that Leroy Flynn or Cyanide has suggested, and that is for her to try to go and test for the renegades. Because at this point, she is one of the few people that no one knows what she looks like. No one knows her real name. So she could infiltrate the renegades and be their spy to try to take them down from the inside. Yeah. She finally agrees to do it. So they get all the necessary paperwork and documents and Leroy ends up burning off her fingerprints, which is kind of painful to think about. Burning or like acid removing? It's an acid burn. Yeah. A chemical burn. It's done in such a way that it's not really all that suspicious based off her paperwork and stuff. So, like, she... It, it still sucks to have the fingerprints burned off. But, yeah, and then they give her a really cheesy name, Insomnia. Yes. I was like, ah. She had developed a second superpower after her parents died because she didn't want to sleep because she kept hearing the gunshots over and over in her head every time she closed her eyes. So eventually she just stopped sleeping. So she kind of willed herself into a second superpower, and she uses that as her, like, go-to information for all the paperwork to try out to be a renegade. And she ends up going to trials, and she is like, well, I can't really show you my power, so, like, here's all of the things things I can do and everything I can bring to the table. Adrian's the only one who is like, yeah, we'll take her. That could be useful. Like, she could do, you know, reconnaissance or whatever. And so they end up getting challenged on that by Janessa because, She's a monster. She's supposed to be the bad good guy. So, of course. So she ends up having to fight someone from the challenging team. And if she wins... She's in. She's in. She's a renegade. If she loses, she can try again next year. She ends up picking the biggest, dumbest, sedentariest... You know it was God. done on purpose, just because it's just like, he's got the ego, he's full of himself, he's the biggest, the most... He's the heaviest. Yeah, he's like the baddest dude in the group, and he's like, I'm gonna win this with ease. Like, this is ridiculous, why is this little girl challenging me? Yeah, and she ends up outwitting him, and getting him outside of the circle, and she stayed inside of it. But like, barely, because she had to move his hand out, like yes. lift it and set it out, otherwise he would have been fine. Yeah. And that counted. Yeah. So she became a renegade, and Adrian drew up a little pin for her and gave it to her and said, welcome to the renegades. Yeah. In all of that description, that does not explain, like, how much I absolutely adore the characters in this. Yeah. Because, like, have you met Max in at this point? Okay. There's a character called Max who I love, and we'll talk about him later. He's not the kid that's in the, like, hotel room quarantined or whatever, is he? He's in the quarantine. Okay, so then, yeah, it's definitely I've met Max then. Okay, so... He's got the, like, Glass City and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love Max. He also has telekinetic powers. Yes. Yeah. He... I would love to have him as, like, little brother Max, because he is... But you'd never get to play with him, though. He's just adorable. I would find a way. 
the the funny thing in the scene that I liked the most, honestly, was when Adrian goes up there after everything goes to hell, basically, in the first fight. And he's like, hey, so what do you know about what's going on? And he's like, uh, all these things, because all I can do is watch the news all day right, long. Like, right. Well, and he's so smart. And, yeah. like, he is constantly watching the news, because what else is he going to do? He's on quarantine all the time. I just feel like he is such a cute character. I love him. But I also really enjoy Adrian because, like, he's a good guy, but also a little bit not a good guy because of the whole Sentinel character Yeah, that happens. Like, he's trying to do good things, but he's doing them in a bad way. And, like, I love me some of that. I know you do. And then I really enjoy Nova because, like, she wants to do a bad thing, but by infiltrating the good guys, she has to do good, good things, things yeah. later on in the book, as you'll see. Yeah. And so, like, I always love, like, morally gray characters, but these are almost, like, not morally gray characters. And I can kind of see that. Like, for Adrian, he's obviously at heart a good guy, but he does some bad things. Yeah. So... I love those aspects of those characters, and I'm excited for you to continue on with the series. Honestly, as am I. I I plan on probably reading a little bit tomorrow. Today, I'm going to try to take a rest day beyond the podcast recording, just because it's been a lot the last two weeks for yeah. me. But otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm honestly looking forward to it. So, and I like how the superpowers aren't all the typical superpowers that you see in every movie or every comic or whatever. There's definitely some interesting ones that I've seen, so, like... And, like, some of them are obviously useless. Like, the guy who went before Nova in the trials and he could do, like, origami and make it come to life or whatever. Yeah. It's, like, that's a good party trick, but, like, obviously you can't be a superhero with that. No. But at the same time, what sketch can do adrian can do yeah like i don't think i've seen that anywhere no and i like the crossover with the ability to just tattoo things to give himself different things so yeah i like how like drawing isn't necessarily just like with a pen or a pencil or whatever that it can transfer into other forms forms of art Yeah. yeah and like you do see that later also in a different book and i really enjoy that scene as well but I'm definitely excited to continue reading it. There's no question about that. But I think that wraps us up for the most part for today. Yeah, you're going to go through the middle half or middle half, the middle third of the book Yeah. during the next week. And I think you might like that third more than the first third because, like you said, the first is really introductory and it's laying a, down the foundation. It's important because I feel like we didn't cover much of the world building here. But if we did, you guys would be here for eight hours. So Right. It's 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 important, and I understand the reasoning it existed. So it's very much like like vicious. I feel like was kind of similar in that way, where it was just like you had to understand what was going on in the world before you just dove headfirst into the whole thing. So yeah, and I think it's very unique. It's very interesting, and I think you end up growing to love these characters a lot. Yeah. Over time, I especially like Ruby and Oscar as well. I didn't mention them earlier. But, like, over time, I grew to love them even more. Well, that's good. I'm glad I have something to look forward to. Yeah. But we will see you guys next week on the sports episode. But in the meantime, make sure you're checking out all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye.